Welcome back to United by Sport. Today we're joined by Brad Pickett, former UFC fighter, former Cage Rage World Champion. How are you, Brad? I'm fine, thank you, and I uh, appreciate having me on the show. What I liked about the early UFC events was uh, just the fact that you got to see people from completely different weight classes fighting. It almost seemed like a bit of a, a mismatch. You know, you got guys like... Uh, uh, you yeah, know, six the, foot heavyweights fighting, you know, middleweights. Um, that's what it was. And back in the day, it, it, it was, uh, like, I don't know if anyone's seen that old, old film called Bloodsport. It was literally that, where it was different styles of, of martial arts, like karate versus wrestling, BJJ versus uh, uh, sumo, kickboxing versus a boxer. Uh, and then also he had no weight classes at all. At all, it was just basically to see what discipline was better. Uh, yeah, and that was my I've been UFC. I'm watching Hoist Gracie um, implement uh, obviously jujitsu. And back then it, it dominated. It was like, um, yeah, it was like the the number one um, mixed martial arts. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But back then I really feel like it was all about the fighting style as well, which fighting style was most dominant. And of course, you know, the jiu-jitsu uh, really early on really came out on, on top. But I want to know, is, uh, is that kind of authenticity, what, what the UFC, uh, kind of um, what UFC started with? Do you think that's kind of lost a little bit as it's gone on? And do you think it's become a little bit more generic? Because you get really similar fighters now. Uh, and it's very rare that you get um, styles make fight kind of scenario. Um, you know, recently we've got fight coming up between uh, Gilbert Burns and, um, uh, of course, you know, Wonder Boy, where you've got karate versus BJJ. But a lot of the time you've got really different, uh, you've got really similar styles kind of clashing. And it kind of makes for really generic outcomes. Um, do you think UFC's lost the kind of um, stylized, systems as opposed to you know this modern day kind of style they've turned it well UFC have turned it into a sport before it was more of a spectacle where before obviously there was no rounds and all that sort of stuff but sometimes you get those fights with no rounds and no time limit it could be really really boring and also when they had very limited rules they could be on the floor for like 10 minutes rolling around and people the boys so they had to turn it into a bit more of a mainstream sport so they had to make it more exciting to the casual fan someone like myself who was a purist you know i'm more interested in seeing two people walk into a room which one of yeah. them are gonna doesn't matter how long oh. it is or whatever who's going to win that fight and kind of thing. Uh, no time limits, no rules, that sort of stuff. But that's the purest. But for the average person, it, yeah, that's trying to make it a bit more uh, of a sport, and which really is now. And it's a very successful sport. People earn a lot of money. We're back in those days. It used to be people who do the sport come from a background, like either come back from a, uh, a BJJ background or they come from a judo background or a boxing background. They come from some sort of uh, a background where nowadays, because it's an actual development of a sport itself, mixed martial arts is its own sport. So some people just come into the gym with no sort of uh, mixed martial arts experience and they ever go, I want to be an MMA fighter and they learn MMA because MMA is a lot different. There's jiu-jitsu that works at MMA, and there's jiu-jitsu that's just jiu-jitsu. And there's same yeah. for wrestling, same for, for kickboxing. So the MMA is his own sport, and that's what it is now. That's why you see a mixed martial artist versus a mixed martial artist. 
Yeah, it, it, it's true. And I, I guess the, the um, personally, you know, I really like watching the stand-up. You know, that's the bit that really excites me as a, as a UFC fan. But recently, I've become to understand the ground game a lot more. And, you know, when I see two guys, um, you know, uh, rolling or, or scrambling now, I really understand it a lot more than perhaps I did. And, and I think that's just down to the way that the fight game has evolved. Um, I, I've been I've been a fan for a, for a, for a long time as as long as I can you know physically remember I've been a fan of the sport and I've seen it develop and I'd say it's at its best form now although I, I do feel in some cases um, that the um, the the refereeing in terms of ground game isn't as as good. As as it should be, because you've got guys that are, are not fighting for positions and and grappling for the sake of you know, cage uh, octagon time, you know, uh, ground time, as opposed to um, you know actually trying to score something, you know, trying to get uh, a position or trying to work for a position. Um, so for me, it's a little bit hit and miss, but I do definitely prefer the stand up um, a little bit more. That for me is a little bit more exciting, but I do kind of. Um, understand where you're coming from in terms of it's handy to know um you know about the the, the ground game because if, if you don't really you can get lost in a fight do you know course, what I mean? that, that's this for like i'm saying for for the uh like a, a casual a casual fan that is just getting into the sport of course they're going to understand the striking more than the, the grounds because it, it people come it, it's easy to it's more easier to see who's winning a fist fight it's quite oh yeah for sure easy yeah. to see. it's hard to, if you don't know the ground and don't understand the ground it could be like well what the hell is going on it's like i explained to everyone it's like watching a chess match and if you don't know the the chess piece yeah. you have no what's going on so that, yeah, that, that's absolutely. why when when the, the the fan get i guess a bit more um uh, educated on the ground and sport is uh it, obviously that can become a big fan and understand uh, and get better at uh, understanding and, and also enjoy the ground side of fighting you know but that, that that's mainly down that, that's why it is and sometimes there's casual fans and sometimes there's hardcore fans but that's just what it is yeah, I think uh, part of it as well is me actually learning jujitsu, uh, me actually yeah. learning, and that that helps with the understanding of it because you you oh. kind of you know you understand the positions you've kind of been there before. Sounds a bit cliche, but you know if you've been on your back and you're you're kind of trying to fight your way uh, back up or, or you're trying to trying to sweep, you kind of understand you know what a fight is going through when he's on his back. Uh, but if you if you've not kind of studied the fight game at all and you're kind of a casual fan i agree you can get kind of caught up and lost in it sometimes so yeah. it's 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 one it's one of those uh, as well i just want to ask you a little bit about you know you obviously fought on the indie fight scene as well you know cage rage and ucmma and wec what was that what was that kind of time like um and what kind of experience did you gain from from uh, those experiences it was awesome, and obviously it was like very primal back in those days. It's like um, the sport was just still just so it was growing. So it was early days, and it, obviously a lot of memories for me, and very fond and great memories of um, uh, of the sport and those local shows. If it wasn't those shows around, I never would have had any sort of platform to uh, to, to showcase my skills. And, uh, and that, so yeah, I, I loved them those sort of times. 
Yeah, uh, just a little bit about, um, of course, you know, cage rage, because I feel like that was really um, the starting point, especially in the in, in the UK, why it's so big. There were so many great um, British fighters that fought uh, in cage rage. I really elevated the status of, uh, um, you know, MMA in general in, in, in the UK. And I feel like that was one of the kind of pioneering, you know, um, it was almost like a hub of talent. And, and it really, really developed. And uh, and um, how, how do you feel um, about about that that in general? And, and what do you think that's done for British MMA in, in general? Just um, being one of those fighters, uh, of course, you know, representing uh, in Cage Rage. Yeah, no, as in for me, Cage Rage, like I said, it, it was a very, very great show early on. And it didn't just have great, good fighters from the UK. They had good fighters from all around the world. And there's a silver fought in there. Uh, Anderson Silver fought in there. Yeah. I mean, they had so many great, Vito, Shalom, Rivero. There were so many great fighters that fought on that show. You know, so it wasn't just English guys, but also people like English guys like Michael Bisping. Um, yeah. You know, and Paul Daly and those sort of guys. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a good good place for internet uh, English fighters to get international fight experience which, against international competition, which was awesome. Uh, the reason I say it was, you know, a hope for, for, for British fighters, because I think in England especially, you know, MMA is just absolutely blown up, you know. It's hard to 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 um you know not notice how much hype there is around you know UFC in general in 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 the UK and I think a lot of that is down to uh, those indie shows that really uh, connected the the fights with the fans um and really made a, a, a cult following I think that's turned into more of a mainstream following as times you know gone on and and things what was it what was it like winning the the Cage Rage uh, uh, Championship. Uh, and, and what what's that describe how that kind of came about and and what the preparation and, and training was like for for that fight um that, that was great for me uh, obviously when the the, the the belt on uh well, the biggest show in europe was awesome uh, and it kind of for me it helped me get some connections with american top team um uh, the people from Cage Rage, so David Donald and Andy Gear, they wanted their champions to be able to compete on the international level when they brought international fighters in. So they 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 sent me over to the American Top Team, uh, and that was it. I never looked back. So when I was there, I, I made some really good friends with like Mike Brown, uh, Ricardo Laborio, Conan Silvera, and all them guys. Uh, and then I went there ever since. Every fight camp I had from there then on forward, I I went to, out to American Top Team. Uh, and yeah, and I mean, it's been a massive part of my, my development. So I was so grateful of Cage Rage to give me the opportunity to go out to American Top Team and train. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when WEC, um, of course, you know, uh, was bought out by uh, Zufa, um, you signed a, a multi-fight deal. And, and, and of course, you know, you made your... Um, uh, you had some really big fights in in that promotion, uh, most notably, of course, you know, uh, Demetrius uh, uh, Johnson. Uh, just talk us a little bit through um, how that fight came about and uh, what it was like, you know, to fight uh, DJ and uh, what what that kind of did for your your career that, at that point. Because you're both kind of, you know, building your careers up. You know, not quite reached the peak of of, of what you both were going to do, uh, but a really really good fight um, to kind of test yourself, uh, was it not? 
Not really, to be honest. Uh, I mean, for me, when I when I signed to WC, it was a big, uh, it was a massive thing for me because there wasn't the UFC. The UFC didn't have my weight class. 135 pounds. The UFC didn't have. The UFC didn't do 135 pounds, 145 pounds. Uh, so the best people in the world for me to fight was in the WEC. So, uh, you know, Uriah Faber, Jose Aldo, Mike Brown, these sort of guys, the best ranked rank fighters in the world was fighting in the show called the WEC, which was owned by Zufa, uh, was owned by the UFC, but they just had it as their sister show to, to showcase the lower weight classes. So when I signed for them, I, I, it was awesome because I knew now I knew I was going to be fighting the best guys in the world in my weight class. So uh, obviously I was fighting there uh, and stuff, and um, and uh, I think it was my second fight in the WEC. I fought Demetrius Johnson, and it was just an opponent. He was fourteen and zero at the time. I think I was like something like nineteen and four. He was fourteen and zero, and yeah, it was just an opponent. And uh, I just honestly. Beat him pretty easily. Um, obviously, done yeah. nothing from my career in the, in, as, in that aspect. Where more cases was just me just moving up and uh, and fighting other competition. Um, obviously, he's went on and done great things. Uh, it was still a very good fight when I fought him. But just on that night, I, I had a, I fought very well and uh, I done very well against him and I beat him quite comfortably. Um, but that was it. And then we both done our different things and. We went on and fought different people and and so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, the, the fight at the time didn't do much for me. But it lit, if I fought him now and beat him, obviously he'd do a lot lot different. Yeah. Well, I, I think you say you know, of course, at the time it might not have. I felt like it, it. It didn't do much for you, but I, I feel like from a fan perspective, maybe it kind of elevated your status a little bit more as as a fighter. That's how I, I kind of kind of see it. Um. But, you know, I mean, DJ's one of those guys, you know, he's in the conversation as, as being, you know, one of the pound-for-pound pound best ever fighters. You know, he's still uh, tearing it up and, uh, and and things. Do you think that's kind of um, something to look back on when, when the curtains, yeah, you know, go over your career and, and it's something to look back on as a, as an achievement that, you know, you've beat someone that's arguably, you know, in the, in the conversation of pound-for-pound pound best ever? Well, my career is over now as it is. I'm not competing, so I'm looking back at it now, sort of thing. And like, like I say, well, I mean, any any of my wins is always an achievement. Obviously, a lot of people go on about my win against Demetrius Johnson because of what he did. But when I fought him, he was 14 and 0. And if he then went on and lost loads of fights and just quit, give up, no one would be talking about it. So obviously, everyone talks about it because what he's going to achieve, which is great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, it's it's just just so different, isn't it? It's hard for me to go. Oh, yeah, look, yeah, cool. I beat Demetrius Johnson, but but yeah, I, for me at that time I was a much better fighter than him. So and he, and he was just a prospect coming coming through kind of thing. He's one of Matt Hughes' prospectors. Fought you know there was a lot of hype around him and stuff. Uh, but for me, I was like, well, I'm I'm fucking I'm Brad Vickett, you know. I'm like I'm gonna beat this kid up, and I beat this kid up. So for me, in my head, I just did what I was gonna do. And like obviously, what's going on forward, it, there's a lot more. And obviously, what he's gone on and achieved, being one of the you know, pound for pound guys, and that's one of the reasons when I was fighting in the UFC, I went I went down from bantamweight to flyweight to try and rekindle a rematch with him to try and 
beat him because that's all it did. You know what? Whatever I did in my career was always trying to be number one in the world. I always wanted to try and to win the UFC belt. So I was always uh, competition driven. I want to fight the best. I want to fight the best. I want to fight the best. You know. Um, but yeah. So yeah. I mean, like, obviously, a lot of people got on about it now and stuff, but. Yeah, like for me, it was at the time, it was just, just another fight which I needed to win because as a fighter, that's what you need to do, no matter who you fight. Yeah, absolutely. No matter where you are in your career, your next fight is always the most important fight to you, always. I, I suppose, it's, especially when you were in that kind of mid-stage of your career, it's more about career progression. And, and at the time, you're probably thinking, how can I take this, which fight is going to, you know, progress me the most to, to get where I want to get and do you think do you think that would that crossed your mind as well at the time do you think it was about picking people that you thought might get you closer to to a belt or, or I'll be honest with you, you don't get to pick your opponents no they just go you're fine this guy and you go yep so I didn't pick pick him whatsoever they just went hi right, Brad you're fighting uh, uh, Demetrius Johnson and I went okay cool all right, Brad, wow. now you, you, you're going to fight Scott Jorgensen. All right, cool. All right, Brad, now you're going to be fighting Ivan Menjivar. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. For me, my, my job was to fight everyone. You know, like, whoever they asked me to fight, I'd fight. Because I, I wasn't yeah. thinking about losing. I was, just being, I was always thinking about winning and trying to, um, you know, and if the guy is not, I don't think, as good as another guy, I should beat him. So it should yeah. be a match. So that, that, that's a that's uh, how, how how I saw it, and like I say, people, people don't get a lot. Of, a lot of, when the UFC phones you or the WC phones you, and uh, you know you don't get a chance really to pick your opponents. They just go, right, you want to fight this guy, and you go, cool. yeah, yeah. That's what, well, yeah that was uh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I feel though that the game has changed a little bit since those yeah. days. I feel like fighters nowadays get a lot of. Um, Especially, you know, I feel I feel the fighters do get a little bit more flexibility with who they fight and when they when they fight. No, honestly, kind of thing. I'll be honest with you, mate. Honestly, just still within the know-how, or I manage and look after a lot of UFC fighters. No, you don't. You don't, you, you get offered fights, and it's up to you to either take them or turn them down. That's what it is, you know. Like you don't have to take every fight, but you you, you can turn it yeah. down as well. Don't get like a selection of guys. Maybe when you when you're a little bit more at the top and uh, you, you, that sort of stuff, you people they see people just turn fights down. They don't. They don't. Oh, I, I, some fights pick themselves obviously because of rankings. But but most 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 of the time is in like they just say right, we want you to fight this guy, and it's up to you to say yes or no. And if you say yeah. no, you go back to the bottom of the pile, and they try and match other people up and that sort of stuff. Uh, uh, that that's really how it is. You don't get like a oh, here you go. He's three guys for you to fight. Which one do you want? Yeah. Sometimes that can happen if it's a late replacement. Like say if your guy, if your original opponent gets injured and they get a late replacement, they say right. It's because it's a late replacement. They may give you an option of opponents because it's a late replacement. But other than that, really, they say look, we like you to fight this guy and be in yeah. the fight. You you go yeah, and then it's up to yeah, absolutely. Match. So no, definitely that's a good fight for you. Don't fight. So you yeah. fight you. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose it. 
I, I understand what you're saying there, but I feel there is a little bit of a of a double standard there. Like you said, you know, the top guys probably, you know, he works a little bit different. Um, just a recent situation, and and I feel like I, I want to get your opinion on this. Francis Nagano, of course, you know, supposed to fight Derek Lewis for the um, the heavyweight belt. Uh, of course, he's holding out for uh, John Jones, um, so they can have a, a mega fight. So he's, of course, you know, turned that down because he wants to fight. John Jones, who, in my opinion, you know, he's been out for it for for a little bit, and you know, of course, you know, we know he's kind of past, you know, obviously, you know, what he's been caught up with the situations he's been in. I don't personally feel like he should be fighting for the uh, for the belt um, at just this current moment. I'm not saying he's not an elite fighter; he's an absolutely an elite fighter. But that situation seems to me a little bit of a double standard there because Francis is basically, you know, picking and choosing. I, I, maybe that's because he's at the top of the full chain. You know, it's, it's a heavyweight strap. It's not uh, a small thing that we're talking about here. It's, it's you know, that's the the face of the UFC almost. It's a little bit straight away. For me, if you're the champion, you should fight anyone. Because Absolutely. you're the champion. Eh? And, and you, your job is to fight the next contender. But Absolutely. Don't on this, but what I believe what, what, what it was... Francis Ngannou wasn't just holding out for um for to fight uh, um um uh John Jones. He he had some family issues where he couldn't fight uh and stuff, and he was back home, so he couldn't fight at a certain period, and that's why they scheduled this uh, international um I'm sorry interim belt up. That's why I may be completely wrong, but that's why I, 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 my 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 understanding is was that he was asked to fight and he refused to fight because he couldn't fight because of some sort of family issues back home. Uh, and so then they gave that they've just done an interim interim belt fight. Yeah, it could be, could be because he's holding out for John Jones. I don't know, but then say again. It's, it's, getting, it's just getting silly uh, For me, uh, the champion's job is to fight the number one contender Yeah, absolutely I, I understand he might have had some Of course, you know, family issues But speaking to some uh, mixed martial arts journalists And just people close to the situation Who've got, you know, uh, a little bit more insight Than perhaps, you know Me as just a, a common fan You know, just a, a fan of the sport um, The situation very much It, it revolves around that John uh, Nagano wanting the fight with with, with Jones. I'm I'm sure if if they they can rearrange dates and, and stuff, you know, to make it work for uh, both guys. But I feel like Derek Lewis, you know, of course, has been on a, a tear up and had so many great fights and has put his his neck on the line a few times and really deserves the title. Um, but I think he's fighting Cyril Gone uh, for the interim. Uh, belts or another, you know, up and coming heavyweight, uh, just yeah. come off a, a big win against uh, um, Alexander. Uh, is it sorry? Is it Volkov? Alexander Volkov. Maybe I've got that wrong. Uh, Alexander Volkov. Uh, just coming off a massive win. Um, you know, a really great fight, uh, especially from uh, Cyril Gon. You know, up and coming uh, looks fantastic in there. Very ca calm and composed, and I, I'm sure that'll make uh, for a very good fight against uh, uh, Derek Lewis. Um, so it's interesting to get your get, get your opinions on that. But um, I want to I want to ask you a little bit about um, how you personally uh, prepare mentally prepare for a fight. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you mentally prepare by preparing hard. If you, if you don't, you don't, you don't want to. Uh... 
go to a fight leaving any stone unturned. If you go into a fight thinking, I could have done this, or should maybe I should have done that, straight away you have you have chinks in your armor. So for me, uh, going to a, a fight to, to mentally prepare for a fight is to prepare and train as hard as you can within your training camp. So you're you're in great physical and mental shape to be in there. You know that that's the main thing. Uh, everyone's mindsets are completely different, to be honest. Um, some people have a lot more mental fortitude than others. Um, but yeah, for me, a lot, a lot of it's to do with your preparation. If you prepare really hard and train really hard uh, for a fight, you're going to go in there with the right sort of mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple of guys that I've spoken to, you know, a lot of them have different techniques of how they kind of calm down and uh, and kind of focus on, on the training and things. And what comes up quite often is... Um, uh, mental, uh, like uh, almost like arithmetics, puzzles, and and things like that. And it's quite interesting because um, I was reading something about Vasil Lemachenko. You know, uh, a, a boxer was going to, of course, have his rematch with uh, Timofey Lopez, just coming off a, a big win. And he prepares by doing puzzles and, and doing mental activities to keep his mind kind of sharp. I just wanted to know what you kind of thought of that, and um, if if you did any of that in your career. Well, like I say, everyone's different, you know. Everyone's different in how they can't wait for fights. Some people do this, some people do that. Some, you know, everyone's different. So it all depends what you want to do to mentally. What I used to do like before my fights and stuff, just to, I wanted to zone out. I used to, like, I mean, like, fight week and stuff while I was cutting weight and, and you know, your mind's all a mess. I used to like just play like video games and stuff just to try and take my mind off it. You know, last time you said, you said, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. you're so within the fight and, and the last sort of stuff. Sometimes you just want to zone out. And uh, yeah, I used to play some video games just to zone out and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, like, people uh, going back, you know, a lot of people... For me, the mental side of fighting is the most important thing. It's the most important uh, muscle or whatever you want to call it, muscle in your body that you need to train, you know. Uh, and also, like, like, overcome because, like, you understand some people have, yeah, you, your brain can be the most powerful thing on you and the most weakest thing. I've seen people, like, just mentally lift the car off someone's broken someone's broken body because the love who it was you just find that sort of strength and you see people just absolutely crumble sometimes under pressure uh yeah so the mental side of fighting i always say this it's 90 percent mental 10 percent physical yeah absolutely i feel the, the the preparation for a fight is so important especially the men mental kind of preparation do you feel that get in your career especially do you feel that gets easier with experience with with fights or, or is that something from day dot that you just kind of you know uh knuckled down and uh, uh, and worked on or was that something that gradually it got better and better as as you got more experience people get better at, at everything with experience experience you can, you can never buy experience so game it's so like i'll use this as always i've good analogies i use this when you first drive your car when you first pass your drugs test, you're shitting your bricks. You're looking in the mirror every minute. You, you're nervous. Yeah. And that's why you're driving with your mobile phone. You're eating a bag of chips. You, you're doing all that sort of stuff, and you're still driving. So things come a lot easier with experience. And stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. But also, yeah, again, some people just have – some people – I know many people and many really talented fighters. When the lights are on, they just crumble. 
but I, in the gym in the training gym they're, they're amazing but when they go go to fight their mind and the pressures just get to them too much um, and I've seen I've seen opposite I've seen people who train in the gym not, not that great but when they go to the fight they go they just show up and that's just the some people just some it's some it's just built in some people you know like you say you can't teach a, a guy heart you know you can't sometimes you know you, you know some people have it some people don't you know um, there's ways you can make yourself a little bit better or stronger and yet again I always go by that it's all to do with your preparation if you prepare really hard and train really hard and you think you've got no left no stone unturned you're gonna go into that fight the best you can possibly do and if you get beat by a guy. You just got to be by that guy. You know, you don't have excuses. You know, but if you don't prepare how you should prepare, and then you end up getting beat because you didn't prepare enough, you only get yourself to blame. Yeah, actually, that that brings us on to a a really good point. You know, of course, suffering losses is uh, a part of the fight game for for a lot of fighters. You know, it, it happens, you know, very rarely, you know, you can go through your career unscathed, you know, Habib is just one example of, of of a handful of fighters that has managed to you know keep a clean slate what was what was that like for you and how did you deal with with your first you know loss inside the uh, inside the octagon well, well losing sucks it, it, it's not like a team sport where you could be a, the best football player on the pitch and lose the game or you could be the worst player on the pitch and still win the game so uh Team sports should be hide, hide behind other people quite a lot. Where in a one-on-one sport like tennis or whatever it is, it's very mentally challenging. Very mentally challenging. So, uh, And it's in a sport where it sucks to come second. So mentally, for me, I'm never worried about getting hurt or injured. I just sucked losing. I, I, I was very competitive uh, and it sucked. But also with me, I was never what you call a... Um, I was a bad loser in that aspect where I didn't like to lose. But I wasn't a sore loser where I go, I, I lost because my toenail was this or or I, I didn't get a good night's sleep or I think my diet wasn't the best. No, yeah. I, I lost. I, it's only me in there. I can't blame my coaches, my training partners, my wife, my kids. It's me. I'm in control of my own body and my own destination, you know, uh, my own destiny. When I'm in there, it's down to me, to what I do. Uh, so I, I, I don't like it when people blame everyone else, you know, the, you, people just take responsibility for themselves uh, and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, yeah. and it's part of life. You know? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's just, it's a part of the fight game and it's a part that, you know, of course, you know, it's very difficult to deal with. But I just want to ask you in regards to what we just talked about with this, a particular situation. Um, the uh, champion Aljamain Sterling uh, recently fought, um, a guy called uh, uh, Petri Yan, and uh, of course, you know, Yan didn't fully understand the rules, and uh, he hit um, Aljamain with a knee while he was downed, um, and that's that's uh, you know, of course, Aljamain won the title because of a of disqualification. Um, so I just want to get your opinions on on uh, on that in particular because he was using, of course, you know, a lot of excuses after the after the fight, you know, that his uh, corner told him. To, to do that and, and stuff I just want to get your opinion on, on that particular situation and, and how you saw that well yeah it's just one of those things and like Pete Yan knew the rules he made a mistake that's all it is he's not as if he doesn't know the rules people get briefed so many times in the rules he's fought so many times he just made a mistake 
You know, and that's what it was. And, uh, yeah, again, in my eyes, could uh, uh, Aljamain continue? Yeah, of course it could. If those two were fighting in the in the street, that blow there would not have stopped the fight. If that makes sense. But yeah, again, does he need to continue? Does he? Is he taking the easy way out? Why wouldn't you? It's like there's loads of ways you see that. Yeah, he could have carried on fighting, been a bit, a bit, um, uh, like a bit, no. Under you know, not all there sort of thing, and lose the fight, and then that's it. At the moment, now he's the champion. He gets championship money. He's got the belt. You know, he's a champion. You know, so course is not the best way that anyone wants to win it, and it's not the way that someone wants to lose it. Uh, Basically, sets up for a good rematch, and, and that's what will happen. And then once whatever happens, this will be forgotten about. If that makes sense. Yeah, Obviously, absolutely. Right there, it's fresh. It's fine. There it is, but for me, it is what it is. Andrew Man still has got to get on with it, and so's Peter Yan. He's got to get on with it, and just then they're gonna fight again. I don't think they're gonna fight each other again, and then yeah, but obviously now it's gonna be a massive talking point. And it well, maybe not as much now, but at the time it was a massive talking point and that sort of stuff. But you understand, it's like there's so much on the line for fighters, so much money. Yeah, absolutely. Also, there's financial implications of winning and losing. So sometimes you get paid show purse and win purse. So just winning a fight, you're going to get paid double. Also now he, he's got the belt, so he's going on championships or money. So like there's so much more fat of financial implications. Why would he want to risk fighting again? So don't get me wrong, your pride and all that sort of stuff. You'd be like, oh, I'll do that. But then for me personally, in my head, I would have got up and fought. 100%. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, is it, if you ask uh, another fighter, maybe, maybe, maybe they would have, maybe they would have got up, right? But I don't fully yeah. understand, you know, because they, they reckon that Aljamain was concussed. I don't really yeah, fully understand that, that situation. Let me finish. You let me finish. To understand. It's easy for me to say that I would have got up and continued because that's why I said that right now. You can't say that unless you put in that situation. You know, you'll be put in yeah. that situation understand so i could right here now say yeah 100 i would have got up. what you're all about but then when i'm in that situation you never know so like it is like i say it is what it is you can't cry over spilled milk and people just need to get, get on with it really yeah the the thing which really got me was uh, of course you know that's how they kind of sold the uh rematches you know that it, it's it's to do with what his team told him and you know which I, I don't like that person. I don't like the angle that I feel like they've gone down, that um, they're trying to make it out as uh, Peter Yan, uh, you know, his team told him to do that. That's why he threw the illegal knee. Uh, so it's just a fact what we were just talking about. If anyone actually believes that, they've got to be just retarded, you know, because, like, why would Absolutely. you make do an illegal blow? It makes zero sense. If anyone believes that, you're, you're crazy. <laughs> but I mean that's that's what's infuriating as a as a fan. It feels like it, you know, it's been sold like that, and a lot of the people I'm speaking to are saying similar things as well. So, you know, I don't like the way the fight's been sold, but I would like to see that fight run back because I feel like up until that point, of course, you know, Jan was was probably leading on 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 a card. Uh, um, so you know, it's tough to really say what what could have happened because you know. It, if he'd got up, maybe he'd have knocked him out in the next round. You never, you never know. You know what I mean? So, 
people and uh, that's what I mean. That's why we just got to wait until the rematch and then that's it. It is going to be as well it is, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just want to move on to um, a comment Dana White made uh, about about you actually that you're one of his favourite fighters to watch that's coming from MMA Mania October 12th. I just want to know what, what you feel about that and what your relationship was like with Dana. I had a very good relationship with Dana. I've gone very well with him, chatted loads, spoke a bit on the, over the phone and all that sort of stuff. He is good. I mean, like, for me, he was my boss. So um, for him to say that uh, meant great great job security in that aspect and stuff like that. But that, it, it is what it is. I think I, I became a bit of a, a fan sort of favourite because just the way I thought, I never really, I always wanted to go out and please the fans. At the end of the day, that's what you are. You're entertainers. You know, it's like if you're a comedian and no one's laughing at your jokes, you're not, not going to have a job for a long time. So for me, if people didn't like me, like watching me fight, I won't have a job for a long time. So I'm like a John Fitch. You know, he's a great fighter. But, you know, but as soon as, he, like, even like you think of Ben Askren, great fighter, but he's not the best guy to watch, really. So as soon yeah. as you lose, boom, you're gone. So, like, for me, it was good to be you, for the Dana White to say that about my fighting sort of style. I, yeah, again, like I said, I always fought for the fans, wanted to make it an exciting fight always. So, yeah, it, it was obviously it was awesome. That, um, I felt really uh, humbled uh, by Dana saying that. Yeah, and I, I feel like you kind of cemented your legacy, uh, cool legacy. Uh, Amongst you know fans like myself who kind of really appreciate the stand up a lot more um, than the ground game, you know. Of course, I understand the ground game, but I really like that kind of you know uh, top heavy style, especially you know like watching guys like uh, you know Nate Diaz, uh, very similar, Masvidal, very similar. You know these fighters will, of course, when they when they kind of um, gone beyond the sport, you know, when they don't. That's what they to be remembered for and and do you think that's a good thing or, or, or do you feel that's a bad thing it's always a good thing to be remembered you always want to be remembered and you want to be it's good to be remembered for good things you don't want to be remembered for bad things so uh yeah so for me it was like yeah it, it was good i'd always try to make sure um yeah, sorry to keep it out in the background that's my talk. Um, uh, yeah i always make sure, um I was involved in exciting fights. And, and for me, what it was is the reason I used to take people down all the time. Every, every fight I had, I took someone down. But what it was, I, I enjoyed stand-up as well. But so when I took someone down, I do, I'd be very loose and aggressive and throw loads of punches. Because uh, if they get back to the feet, I don't mind. What you find where people who keep the fights on the floor a lot is because they don't want their opponent to get back to the feet. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to get your opinions on something Dana said quite a while ago. Um, it was during, uh, I believe it was during a contender series fight. He says, you know, he was watching a grappler versus a striker. And he made comments that, of course, you know, if you want to get into the UFC, you have to be exciting. What do you kind of take out of that comment? And do you think that kind of, um, that kind of, validates the, the, the UFC's outlook on, on fighters that, you know, you're not exciting, there's no room for you in the UFC? Or, or do you think that's just a broad statement and it's just, you know... People, listen, listen, people will just use common sense. The sport 
is an entertainment sport. People yeah. get to watch people fight. So don't get me wrong. Yes, it is a sport, but it has to be entertaining. You have to be yeah. marketable. Have to be if, if you're not any of those things, you mean nothing to a company who's trying to sell a product. So, like, yeah, you know, yeah. you're not stupid. You, I mean, you're stupid to think you have to be, yeah, have to be marketable nowadays. You have to be good and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's like it, it just infuriates me when people don't even get the way it is. It's an entertainment business, you need to sell tickets, people need to buy tickets to watch you fight. Uh, so you need to be excited if you're not. If people rather watch a different sport, the UFC are going to lose a lot of money. You know, so that's why people, you know, I mean, they need to understand the business side of life. Look, don't don't get me wrong. Uh, there's been some fights that I've thought the jiu-jitsu was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and one in particular was um, Jamala Hill versus uh, Paul Craig. You know, of course, you know, the ending with of course you know the dislocation uh jamal hill's uh, arm but that for me was really it was very exciting high octane lots of um lots of action as long as it lasted uh even though most of the fight was you know on the ground i think guys guys like uh paul craig are definitely gonna build a bigger fan base you know because the the mix the ground game is becoming a lot more popular and i think fans are kind of well, you know becoming a get, bit more aware of it don't get me confused i'm not saying people find the ground is boring because it's far from it far from boring you know like people like people uh charles Oliveira, fantastic fight on the floor yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. absolutely i'm not saying these like people stand up but i, I bet but what i'm saying you gotta understand that is a business sport so if i'm just taking you down and it's normally like you say you come from the wrestling sort of base people where they take people down and they just don't do nothing and then like, that that is very boring for for a spectator to see so that that's what it is so like a john fitch or ben Askren, you know that's what they that's what it did it used to take people down and just nullify them which is not that exciting to watch that's why I'm saying, I mean, people need to understand the sport and, and it's an entertainment sport. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're going to, a, on a card, you can expect, you know, at least one exciting fight and a few that might not be exciting. That's just the nature of the business, the way it works. You know, it's, it's never, you're never going to get one card which is just all excitement all night. And I think as a fan, we've got to kind of evolve to that scenario, that fact that, you know, we're not always going to get that excitement factor, but, you know, once in a while, you, you, you will get that, like, uh, of course, you know, 264, of, uh, lots of fighters that are, are uh, probably going to put on a show. And I just want to kind of, uh, before we split off, ask you a little bit about um, if you're going to be watching 264, and if so, what, what your kind of predictions are for, uh, for that. Well, the main event? The, the card in general, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a big card, but like, like, like going back to what you said, sometimes the most big cards don't live up to the bill. Sometimes the small cards, you, the fights you don't really know about too much are, are really good. So that's the thing about this sport. Um, but that, like, on paper, it looks like a, uh, like, like a very good card. Hopefully it lives up to the hype. Uh, I believe it will, because style of fights, um, you know, I, I think it will do. Uh, and with that, for me, when I talk about Dustin and I talk about uh, uh, Connor, both of those guys, it's a toss of a coin. It's whoever shows up that night. Those two, at that sort of level, it's, they're so 
such elite fighters. Um, it's like sometimes it can be who just turns up at night. If I was going to be a better man, which I wouldn't, I want to be on that fight. I should be session fifty fifty five in my eyes. But earlier on, Connor's very dangerous. He's very dangerous in all these sort of fights. The longer the fight goes, I, I think Dustin balls away with it. You know, so it, for me, anything past the first round, uh, I, I think um, anything past the first two rounds probably or round and a half. I think Connor is going to be the favourite, uh, but anything after that, I'm going to go with uh, Dustin. Yeah, on on our previous uh, show, we we had uh, a couple of fighters on, and we did a panel for predictions for the card, and uh, I, I went with um, Justin winning it late on in the fourth. Um, I just like he's going to get the stoppage. I just don't think Connor can answer the the, the leg kicks, and uh, it should be an exciting exciting fight and uh just just before we uh we go i just want to get a little bit about uh you know what your life is like after after the octagon uh i'm busy i'm a family man obviously that's very busy uh but also i'm coaching i'm coaching a lot of fighters i have my own team great british top team uh just uh, uh, now just signed the lease to my new facility which is like a square foot in uh, that's going to get kitted out. Generation players and uh, and my, my facilities. It, honestly, it's going to be a it's a world class facility uh, with all the best equipment in, all the best stuff. We're going to be in all the best coaches in, uh, and that's it. I'm going to try and do my best to create a, 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 another British uh, UFC champion. Hopefully, man. Uh, thank you for coming on the show and I uh, really appreciate it.